Smackdown. The Bentons were a bit of an odd couple. They had known each other since the beginning of middle school but never said a word to one another until their late 20s. Due to the Torbean pandemic, their 10-year class reunion was being held over video chat. The organizers decided that two people would be paired together at random for five minutes until all 300 participants had spoken to 100 former classmates. It was a week-long event, rather tedious, and too awkward for most people to handle. But it reunited Joseph and Natalie. The two soon-to-be lovers popped up on each other's screens. She was picking her nails and he was sipping from his fourth bourbon ale of the night. The drink made her seem prettier than he remembered. So he decided it would be funny to joke that he didn't know who she was. She flicked off a red nail paint chip and looked up, not recognizing him at all. Since she'd seen him last, he'd grown a beard and developed the beginnings of a receding hairline. With a deep sincerity, she responded by saying she didn't know who he was either. He thought they were playing a silly, flirtatious game, so he laughed. Based on prompts provided by the organizers, they segued into talk about turtles being stuck on their backs, elephants being afraid of mice, and discussing which animals were born with the ability to walk. According to Joseph, it took about three weeks for a puppy to walk. Natalie insisted it took 15 days. Their arguing turned into a yelling match. One of them was always screaming louder than the other until both of their dogs were barking in the background. Joseph's dog was named Max and so was Natalie's. The commonality quieted their voice boxes and invited the Maxes over to lick their faces. Joseph offered Natalie his number but the five minute cutoff prevented her from hearing the last digit. Weeks passed of her not knowing what to do. She contacted the reunion organizers one drunken night. They refused to help, maintaining the importance of protecting everyone's privacy. Her therapist told her she should write down the numbers 0 through 9 on a piece of paper, cut out the numbers, put them in a hat, and pull them out one by one until they completed the phone number. She called all 10 possibilities. They ranged from a taco stand to her third grade teacher, Mr. Marks, who was responsible for her impeccable grammar. It wasn't until she landed on lucky number 7 that Joseph picked up. Waiting for you to call me left me feeling like a turtle on my back, he said. You're cheesy, she said back. I'm actually lactose intolerant, so I can't eat cheese. Cheese made her think of Shakespeare. She always found his sonnets to be the cheese of romance. We had sophomore year English together, didn't we? She asked. We had English together every year of high school. You don't remember? You see, Joseph grew up thinking Natalie was an ugly loser, and Natalie grew up not even paying attention to Joseph at all. Neither of them would ever find out that the other one once felt this way. They made an agreement early on that once Joseph stepped on the glass at their wedding, they would always keep secrets from one another. The strange thing is that neither of them followed the Jewish faith until right before the wedding. They converted together just so stepping on the glass didn't seem like cultural appropriation. Not that they really cared about such a thing. That was what Joseph and Natalie had in common most of all. They didn't care about anyone but themselves. They were so hyper-focused on themselves that they continued to eat the food in their fridge even though all of it was spoiled. What do you mean you've been having diarrhea for three months? Asked Joseph. This is exactly why I didn't tell you. You're judging me. I'm not judging you, he said. I'm concerned. You need to go to the doctor. It's not every night, she said. It doesn't happen on the weekends. What do you do different on the weekends? I don't go to work. You think work is giving you diarrhea? No, I don't know what it is. What do you do differently on the weekends? Everything. Start from the beginning. I sleep in, 
she said. I don't brush my teeth. You don't brush your teeth on weekends? See, you're judging me. Keep going. I don't eat yogurt. Natalie and Joseph walked over to the kitchen and opened the fridge. They both stuck their hands inside to realize it was room temperature. Joseph pulled back the tinfoil on one of the yogurts and threw up all over the ground. What was that? yelled Natalie. This is curdled as can be. You don't smell it? I must have gotten torbine and lost my smell and never realized. How have you not realized our food is bad? I only eat out, said Joseph. What do you mean you only eat out? I thought we were saving money. Four months prior, Joseph and Natalie spent the last of their savings on a week-long trip to Cancun. In order to buy a new fridge, they'd need to take out a loan, borrow from family, or put another mortgage on the house. No one was going to give them a loan, though. They were both former gambling addicts, and everyone knew how easy it would be for one of them to ante in one more time. All they could do was throw out their spoiled food, clean up Joseph's puke, and roll the fridge outside for the trash service to pick up. Down the street, five-year-old Tommy and his dog Dice were taking a walk. They'd been out for ten minutes, and for some reason, Dice wouldn't go to the bathroom. Most nights, he'd walk outside and go without hesitation. So Tommy took him to the road. He figured maybe a fresh scent would do the trick. The layer of gravel led Tommy's eyes to the fridge three lots down. He jumped in excitement, thankful that the Bentons left him with a special treat. This was going to be better than the time he turned all those furniture boxes into a fort. Dice was trying to smell another dog's shit when Tommy yanked his neck away. It hurt a little, but Dice was rather indestructible, so the pain vanished in seconds. Using his two little legs, Tommy ran as fast as he could, and Dice used his four little legs to run with him. No one was around when they reached the fridge. The only thing watching down on them was the sky full of stars. Tommy had dreamt of shooting up to them for a very long time, and this seemed to be the closest he may ever get. Wanna go on a rocket ship, boy? Asked Tommy. Dice stuck out his tongue and wagged his tail. It was the best yes Tommy was going to get. Tommy opened the fridge and put Dice inside. He pushed him to the corner and squished himself in. He looked out to a black squirrel crossing the street with a nut in its mouth. A gust of wind swirled and shut the fridge door. Tommy and Dice were in complete darkness until Tommy pulled out his keychain. There was a flashlight, a switchblade, and a tag that marked his allergy to peanut butter. You ready, buddy? We're gonna shoot off the space in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. A heavy rolling 4x4 carrying a trailer drove by and rattled the ground. Since the refrigerator was on uneven levels of dirt, the boy and his dog shook too. Tommy grabbed onto Dice for dear life as the fridge fell forward onto its doorway. The dramatic shift pressed a lump on the side of Tommy's head about the size of a kiwi. It expanded his mind. He imagined that he and Dice were really going to shoot up to the stars together. There had been lots of astronauts, but he was certain this made him the youngest of all time. Tommy's grandfather, Mikhail, looked up from his game shows over to the clock. He realized it had been 20 minutes since he sent Tommy and Dice outside for a walk. His right and left hands grabbed his walker handles and he hoisted himself up. About five minutes passed before he made it to the front door. The night was silent, which was very peculiar because Tommy was the loudest little boy he'd ever met. Tommy! he yelled out. Tommy! Where are you, boy? Mikhail walked over to the street and looked both ways before crossing to Mrs. Lamb's house. She and her husband hadn't seen Tommy. 
They suggested he call the police and send them out to help him look. The prospect of his grandson missing brought Mikhail to tears. This was his fault. He shouldn't have entrusted a five-year-old boy to walk in the night. If something happened to Tommy, he would never forgive himself. Meanwhile, Natalie felt like she could never forgive Joseph. He'd been going to the steakhouse every day for lunch for months and spending $66.32 with a 20% tip on top. What do you mean we only have money for one quarter pounder? Asked Natalie. I mean, we both get an eighth of a pound of a burger for dinner, Joseph said back. I want both buns. Natalie pulled up the card of the drive through speaker. She glanced at the $1.06 in her husband's palm. Hi, welcome to Shipshap. What can I get for you? We'd like one quarter pounder. Is there any chance you can throw in a second bun for free? We don't do handouts. How much is a second bun then? Ten cents. Joseph lifted up the carpet beneath his feet to find at least a dollar's worth of lucky change. He collected it, counted it, and handed it to Natalie. Okay, we'll have two quarter pounders. Extra on anything that's free. The only extra we do is extra well done. Just two quarter pounders, yelled Joseph. Normal done. Meanwhile, the kiwi-sized bump on Tommy's head wasn't done growing inside the fridge. It was almost the size of an orange. Three, two, one! Called Tommy beside a barking dice. They were off, shooting through the troposphere, the stratosphere, the mesosphere, and all the way up to space. For a moment there, Tommy felt like they were losing air. He shined his light on dice whose tongue was out further than he'd ever seen before. Tommy tried to kick the door open but couldn't. He closed his eyes, clicked his heels, and wished he was a superhero. All that improved was his sense of smell, and he began to notice the faint smell of curdled yogurt. We'll get out of here, boy! As soon as we get to Jupiter, we'll get out! The police sirens woke up the whole community. Everyone was out with flashlights looking for Tommy and Dice. It was one of those towns where everyone knew everyone, and everyone especially knew Tommy. Tommy was the kid who watered your plants when you were gone, changed your cat's litter, and brought back homework from the school to any kid who was sick. He'd been telling people as long as he could speak that he had two aspirations. First, he was going to be an astronaut. Second, he was going to be mayor of his fine town. Tommy's fate seemed to be changing second by second. He and Dice were both having trouble breathing. Dice was nearly passed out on Tommy's lap. Tommy thought he could keep Dice moving by rocking him in his arms with the flashlight shining down on them, acting like the sun. Jupiter, boy! We gotta get to Jupiter! A half hour passed. The Bentons returned drunk from a friend's bar who was kind enough to help them abide. Joseph was so drunk that he missed the driveway and tumbled into the fridge. It rolled twice and landed with the door on top. Mikhail heard the commotion and shined his flashlight onto the two lovers. They were laughing so hard it was almost as if they couldn't breathe. Everything all right there? Mikhail called out. I just want some fucking yogurt, squealed Natalie. She stumbled out of the car and ran over to the fridge. If it weren't for Mikhail's guiding light, she would have tripped over the grass twice before opening the door. Inside was Tommy struggling to breathe, and Dice knocked out. Natalie screamed. Joseph put the car in park and hopped out. Mikhail dropped his walker and ran for the first time since he was 53 years old. 
He shined his light and looked at his grandson with a bump the size of Pluto growing from his head. Did we make it to Jupiter? asked Tommy. No, you made it home, son, said Mikhail. You made it home. The townspeople started to crowd around while Mikhail called for the police to get an ambulance. Do you think I'll make it in the paper as the first boy astronaut? asked Tommy. The bump continued to swell. A shock crept across almost everyone's face that saw it. Dice awoke from a great slumber and licked Tommy's wound until the ambulance came. In surgery, they brought the swelling down, having to remove only a sliver of brain. He was just the same as he always was, except he was convinced he and Dice actually flew to Jupiter. Every time he told the story, it would become more and more realistic, more and more detailed, and closer and closer to Tommy's heart. By the time Dice turned 18 and passed on, he must have told the story over 500 times. When we broke the stratosphere, I knew we were going to make it. My boy Dice led us there all the way. All the way. As for the Bentons, they each served six months in prison for not removing the refrigerator door before placing it out for disposal. They were lucky Tommy didn't die or it could have been life in prison for both of them. They weren't that lucky, though. Both of them found dice falling into their hands and were in gambling debt till the day they died. Tommy eventually became mayor, though, and he looked after them. That was the good thing about Tommy. He was an astronaut, and he was a mayor, and all he saw was good in his eyes. The impetus for Countdown was that my mom and I were driving to go get dinner at this Philly cheesesteak place where they have impossible cheesesteaks, impossible meat, you know, plant-based meat. And we passed this house that had a fridge just sitting next to the trash on their front lawn. And the fridge door was on. And my mom said, I think it's illegal to keep a fridge door on because someone could get stuck inside. And immediately I jotted this down on my phone. And when we got home, I ate my Philly cheesesteak, my impossible Philly cheesesteak. And then I started writing this story. Um, This story... It's up for you to decide, but I think it's one of my best stories for sure in this compilation. Uh, There's just a lot going on and the way it weaves in and out, and hopefully you can keep track of it, but uh, it's a lot of fun and it has a nice positive note. You know, originally, I was going to kill off uh, Tommy and Dice. That was my plan, to kill off the boy and the dog. And I told my friend about the story, and he said, Are you fucking kidding me? You can't kill off a dog and a a dog and a boy you can't kill off both you have to pick one and as i was writing it i decided that i wasn't going to pick you know a dog or a boy or both i was just going to keep them both alive and i think it's a much better ending with tommy alive at the end dice does die off but it's not in the moment it's a future thing it's a fast it's a flash forward sort of within a moment so he's still alive within the context of the story uh, there's also some class reunion stuff. I, I talked about that before, how I was supposed to plan the class reunion, and I didn't. Anyway, uh, the next story... I, I should have this up in front of me. <laughs> the next story is called Made of Time. Made of Time. It's very similar to uh, the original hallucinations, I think. It's just frustration about uh, taking care of a dog. It's a shorter story. Story 20, Made of Time. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, I know I don't mention this every time, but if you have any questions or comments or anything, you can email me, and I'll come up with an email for this book. All right, thanks for listening again. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) bye.